Hey everybody, welcome to Live Lunch. Have fun. Have fun? Yeah, it's one o'clock. Yeah. Um, Two minutes to one, I thought. We are, we were in the midst of a heated. About an hour before Live Lunch begins, we get together and we start like focusing on stuff we're going to talk about, and the conversation did get a bit heated. Uh, well, about in, in like a. Only because like you're wrong, man. <laughs> if you just come out to wipe my way thinking, I always right. come around to your way of thinking. <laughs> But yeah, so forgive us for uh, this. Uh, it was. It wasn't. It wasn't heated. It wasn't aggressive. It wasn't. It was. Oh. How do you call a conversation? A feisty, forthright conversation. Robust. A robust discussion. Robust is too much as well. But I think robust is fine because it wasn't emotional. It wasn't anger. That kind of thing. Well, let's see where we get to today, and others can decide. Anyway, what adjective there would you? Welcome back to live lunch. Uh, we've got food from Shake Shack, so we've got some chicken, uh, we've got two interesting kind of sauces, there's the, the uh, typical barbecue sauce, but there's a honey, a hot honey sauce, mm. which is honey with a kick, and I'm really enjoying it. What do you think, Christine? Are you enjoying the hot honey sauce? <laughs> yeah, it's okay, it's okay, yeah. You can buy bottles of honey with chili in there, did you know that? No, I didn't. Oh, well, there you go. Or cinnamon, or... In the shops. Oh, or like yes. Special, special... <laughs> Like speciality shops or in no. like Tesco and stuff? No, Aldi. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Cool. There are other supermarkets available. What, what would you uh, every day use hot honey for? As you dip in the chicken or something? Obviously. You can cook things with it, can't you? Cook chicken in it. In, in hot honey. honey? Oh yeah, oh, that's, that's a good idea. Honey that's a really good idea. Like yeah. Mm. So yeah. Wow, top tip right there. Uh, guys, I think we've peaked. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> That's it for today. Speak for yourself. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so live, live, live. <laughs> always does. Live lunch. This Sunday, Joel Burgos spoke to us on the 11th part of our uh, Resilient series. We're going to the book of James. We are in James chapter 5. Uh, coming to the end of the, the series on James, we've got a few more weeks before we were able to finish. Uh, just for Easter. God willing. God willing. You have to say these days. Yep. Yeah. That's what um, happens to a few times ago. Or if you said it was good to finish for Easter. <laughs> well, that's relevant to this. Yep, later, yes, but yes. So, Matt, do you want to do a quick summary of the sermon for each other? Yeah, I can do. We're on, uh, as, as Johan said there, um, middle of chapter five. It's a message about patience, it's a message about um, being confident in, in God's timing and God's vindication. Um, James returns to a theme that we've seen many times in the letter already about how we use our words and being clear and have integrity with what we think we've reflected a number of times on the fact of um, the power of, of words and the importance and their importance in our interactions with one another and the importance to God and that sort of thing. And so Joel was, uh, was uh, reflecting on the fact that in our exchanges with one another, we uh, can be prone to hyperbole, to exaggerate our own opinions even, in order to gain a foothold or gain trust or kind of convince people of that sort of thing. Um, and that really puts a focus on ourselves. Like, Trust me, we're looking for, we're concerned when we do that, concerned about our uh, reputation. And um, this, this passage, like many other passages in James, is, is helping us and reminding us and challenging us to actually humble ourselves and not be so focused on our glory and look to God, look, trust his timing, living now in, uh, with reference to eternal things. Again, that's another theme that we've seen many times. This is another way 
uh, that he's sort of returning to that theme, you know, establish your heart for the coming of the Lord is at hand. It's, it's, that's a theme we've come across again and again, and we call that series Resilience. And that really is the big message of it. How are we resilient? How are we patient in suffering? Which is a very um, apt um, topic for where we are right now in many different ways. Um, but we get that resilience, we find that resilience when we realise that life is not just based on the now. Actually, we we're seeing it in the eternal perspective, and actually we conduct, and we are to conduct ourselves in what we say, and what we do, and the decisions we make, not based on just what's in front of us, but based on what we're called to, based on the glory of God, based on the fact that he's coming again, and he will, he will judge us all based on himself. Right? Did you appreciate how patiently we waited for you to finish no, that? That was no, really a really short summary. Yeah. I've read one of ages. Oh, mate. Well, Thanks, mate. I hope it was worth waiting for. <laughs> um, should, we, should we talk about. I feel like there's a few things that we were going to look at. We were going to talk about waiting and patience. We were going to talk about our words. Um, but should we jump into the whole waiting and I guess waiting well? Joel started off with a story about a lady in, in France during the Huguenot times. Um, who was being persecuted for her commitment to Christ. And she spent 38 years in imprisonment because she refused to um, recant, recant uh, abjure, is that the word? Is that what you said? In French, yeah. Is, that, is it in French? Okay. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> uh, to recant her... her I was so worried you're going to butcher the story, but you're doing really well. Uh, <laughs> to recant her beliefs. And she, so she went to, at age 14, and she was in there for 38 years. I don't know what She was released from imprisonment after those 38 years of whether she, she died in prison. Watch the preaching and listen to the story again. Um, I guess you know, that is quite an extreme story. 38 years of waiting in a prison. There's nothing that's going on around you. You alone. I mean, I would have probably kept it out of it. I recant and then left the prison saying, God, please forgive me. But I'm a wretch and there are more noble people. Like yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate Every time I hear a story like that, I, I wonder why didn't they just say, yeah, whatever, and then fingers crossed, God, ah, killing, fagas, the name of Jesus. Uh, but, you know, we want to honor the many martyrs before us who, who died. Um, anyway, Christy, there's a lot of context to the story. Yeah, so yeah, sorry. Let's, let's get to the question. The shapes, um, how do you wait well? I think waiting well involves trusting God. And when we don't trust God, then all sorts of fears and anxieties can be the drivers in our lives. And we can become very discontent because we haven't got what we want, whatever it is, or something hasn't happened that we want. And we just lose sight of the goodness of God. So I'd say waiting well is lit living or enduring whatever we have to endure trusting god that he's always good to us um i think that's the bottom line really i think i would say as well you i think it's helpful for us to diagnose our impatience like i think loaded we all at times will feel impatient feel um you know even just in the very everyday things we get cross get angry get frustrated um, the gospel helps us to locate, if, if that is sinful, if it's against what God wants us to be, God wants us, wants us to be patient, 
there's a reason why we are doing that. We are like that. And, and Jesus again and again points to the heart. That's where the, the motives, that's where the sin of impatience, if we're calling it that, uh, comes from. So what's going on there? Sorry, somebody made a funny face. Make it really serious. Oh, and then somebody made a funny face in the middle Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, so the heart. David Brady. But so, um, so when what's the context we get frustrated in? What's the context we find it difficult to be um, patient with? And what are the things that we are believing that's causing that? Like so often when we get impatient, or we find because we feel that we're owed something, we feel that life isn't fair, we feel that we don't have something we feel we should have, we feel that maybe some person is not giving us the respect that we deserve. When we diagnose, like, why am I so frustrated by this? Why am I impatient? Why am I struggling to wait on this? It's be, it, it be something like that. We feel that we need to be vindicated. We feel that we're owed something out of life. Uh, we want it now, okay, but why do you want why do you want it now? And so all those things connecting with what Christine has said, actually those truths have replaced or truths, lies, you know, I'm owed this. Well in the gospel we're not owed anything. Um, it's it's actually connecting those things to God and the gospel. You know, because we can actually trust God when those things are going on because they all compete. Yeah. If I'm saying, oh, I'm trusting God, but I really want this thing. It's actually, when we recognize those things and repent, actually, God, no, I don't deserve that. <laughs> I'm not owed that. Actually, you provide everything that I need. You have given me more than... It's that practice of repentance that actually helps us change in this area. Because just telling yourself to trust God more is not uh, going to get you there. Trusting God is the answer, but you have to do that if you go around that repentance cycle in order to actually make that meaningful. We have to turn from a lie to the truth of God is our provision. God is in control of circumstances. We have to turn from, I, I'm not uh, in control. I'm not the sovereign Lord of all things. I'm not owed anything out of life. Turn from one to the other. Yeah, and our modern life militates against waiting, doesn't oh, it? Oh, so much. Um, because I think often the issue with impatience is time. It's it's not about why haven't I got what I got, but why haven't I got it yeah, that I want? Because we we get everything at the push of a button, don't we? Yeah, and you were talking about earlier how we can we can make some that that attitude of transactional. That transactional attitude is how we live. Like, yeah. if I want food, I, I can get it now. Yeah. If I if I want to watch something, I watch it now. I don't have to wait for anything. Yeah. I remember when like you have to wait for your TV program to be on. Yeah. <laughs> you have to wait all week to watch it. Now it's like, if I want to watch that, I can watch the whole season, all five seasons or whatever. Right now, this is one example. Um, but we but because we live in that, it is so difficult. Mm. It is so difficult when it comes to things of God. And, and Joel was pointing out on on Sunday how you know the Bible so often uses this. You know, illustrations of sowing and reaping, the farming illustration, that sort of thing, because there's that sense of, you know, you do something that's right, you take a, you, you plant something in faith, and then you have to wait, but also you're not in control of the outcome completely. You're, you're applying a principle um, that you're expecting, but you're, you're at the mercy of. Mm. You know, in the farming illustration, the seasons and the rain and all those sorts of things. And that is much more descriptive of how we relate to God. Okay, we trust in God. We follow the, the way that God has called us to live. But God doesn't promise that there's going to be specific outcomes. 
He's actually saying, "No, trust me. This is the right way to live. This is the, this is how you know what it looks like to follow me." Mm-hmm. But we have to, we have to trust things. Well, we think we know what's best for our lives, don't yeah. we? Yeah. Yeah. And we want that thing, but it may yeah. not be it at all. Mm. I, I think often when it's, I, I guess when there's when you know, I think you would know if, if it's a selfish desire, if it's if it's motivated by selfish ambition. But then there's sometimes when there's there's. <laughs> Like you're waiting for a house, or you're waiting for healing, or you're, or yes. you're waiting for, for provision, or your uh, a job, or just things that you know. But, but this is important. This is my, my security and my, my well-being. And mm. I, I don't think this is, I think this is essential. Um, mm. oh, what you were saying, I, I don't think the Bible says you should only have the essentials. You, you know what I'm saying. When, yes. when no, I'm not, I think there's, sorry, I think there's a, I found in those moments of, of, of waiting, is to throw yourself up more into God, just to lean deeper. Jesus says, all you yeah. are weary, come to me, and I will give you rest. Mm-hmm. And even just reading the Psalms, we're going through the Bible um, every day, and the Psalms are a part of the reading plan, and just reading those Psalms, and you find that, man, so often, a Psalm will speak to the situation, and it talks about the Psalmist was going through a situation where he was pleading with God to deliver him or to rescue him, and saying, God, where are you? Uh, but then the psalm resolves with saying, but you will deliver, and mm-hmm. joy comes in the morning, and there will come a morning when I will praise yeah. your name. It's just extraordinary. Yeah. Yeah. Like leaning deeper into God. That's one thing. The other thing I found is, is talking to brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. uh, talking to, to, to people in, in your small group or who are in church with you, and helping them carry the Lord on the burden with you. And I found that really helpful. Mm-hmm. Just knowing somebody else is praying for me, somebody is caring for me, looking out for me. Uh, Toby Ford Weston, we'd been going through a thing where we were praying and and I and I said we 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 had we had disappointment and Toby asked me could you, could you do you feel like no you need to press in deeper in prayer and I was like I really can't man I'm just I'm exhausted I'm, I'm tired I, I don't have I'm too hurt to pray to this and he's like that's fine let, let us pray but the language that he's running was he's like let us lower you down through the roof in prayer mm. and you just need friends oh, right. who when you're when you're sick in bed and you can't do anything it's this, the story in Matthew or in the Gospels where. Uh, a group of friends took a, a paralytic man in his bed, couldn't get to Jesus, so they went up onto the roof, or, under the roof or the tiles or whatever, and lowered this man. If you should, we actually yeah, been uh, reading the last few days. It's just having friends around you who will take you to Jesus in prayer. It's just extraordinary. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think the hard thing is is not to focus on that thing that you need or want mm. or that you're waiting for all the time. And actually, if you can take your focus off that, that's really helpful. And I think having a practice of gratitude Mm, mm. uh, really helps with this, because there are so many things that we already have, particularly those of us in the the West. We we have so many things that we take for granted. And um, actually, I think that as you begin to thank God for what you do have, you do get more of a sense of being contented that enables you to wait. Sorry, Matt, did you want to say? Uh, the, the thing I was going to say was, I think, sometimes, I know I can, sometimes we have an idea that if we do what's right, that that would be just like enjoyable. <laughs> to put it really bluntly. As in, like, and sometimes it's not. Like, patience is like, really hard, even if it's absolutely the right thing to do. Like, and even if we're doing it in, in a way that is God honoring and is trusting Him. It's still difficult and at times miserable, and and sometimes I recognize in my life. Sometimes what I think my life should be is when I measure against other other people who have certain things, or 
you know, certain people around me, uh, you know, and, and what I should have or what my life should look like, that sort of thing. And then I come back to scripture and think, is there actually anyone that decided to follow God in the Bible that had a really easy time of it? <laughs> like, no, like, you learn, uh, learn that by now. Like, yeah, okay, there's even people that had like, great wealth, but that actually was bad for them. <laughs> that put them off the rail. <laughs> the book of Ecclesiastes, who was reading Solomon. Yeah, exactly. That's like, he, he, he's, he's not filled with joy every moment, was he? Like, so, that, so you know, and. and, and and then you think, okay, actually, yeah, when Jesus said, follow me, he said, actually, you have to deny yourself. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> actually, we're going to have desires that are unfulfilled. We're going to have things that we have, and that is, that is part of discipleship. And that's really hard. I really started, especially things like healing, mm. especially things like poverty, that, mm. you know, and for people to endure that. Mm. And again, that's, 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 that's part of why James, who is speaking to a group of people who, as we were reflecting on last week, have been exploited, have probably been impoverished, many of whom end up being martyred for their mm. faith. Like, the, the gospel works um, in this situation because it's, it's connecting the, days, the harsh reality of days of their life with the, the eternal. Brilliant. So good. Um, yeah, you're right. And I think as a side track, we don't need to talk about this, is when giving, I think, is another counterbalance to uh, being generous, to uh, not having selfish ambition. But you, you talk about God loves a cheerful giver. I sometimes, I mean, I have to, I, I believe that verse because it's in scripture, but it's a real battle to be, especially for when your giving is going to cost you. And it means you're saying, I, I can't do a whole bunch of things which, which would have been good for me or things that I'd have enjoyed. And I'm just going to say, no God, I'm going to just trust you with my, my money. Quite, I must confess that quite often when I when I do give, I find it painful. Yeah. Like, or being cheerful. Yeah, I think. I think sometimes the the giving makes us cheerful. As mm. well, like I've had moments like this is hard, but I'm just going to really do this anyway. And then it's so laughable. It's like, what have I just done? Why have I done that? I just I mean, there's something about the the ridiculousness, yeah. ridiculousness. Of it, the, 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 the counterculture element of it, I have little, so I'm going to give. Like, that actually brings about joy, and I think it does. There is definitely that roller coaster of emotions. This is laughable, but also now I've got the reality of building up there, whatever. Um, the other question, Greg, so going back to the whole impatience thing, man, let's say you've clocked, I'm an impatient person. How do we actually go about changing? Do we just try really hard to be more patient? or? Yeah, I mean it's, it's similar it's similar to what I was saying before on that about diagnosing what is like why are we why are we impatient impatient but I think also similar to what you're saying about actually help other people helping mm -hmm. us to do that as well <laughs> like you know asking each other what's frustrating in your life right now why is that what's going what's going on there actually helping one another in community um, to 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 trust God and you know Christy mentioned about. Um, gratitude, mm -hmm. the discipline of gratitude, mm -hmm. uh, and again, you know, live in a, a time and a culture and a privileged position of being bombarded with things that we can, could have, or can have, or if we just pay this little bit extra money, or if we just do this, you can have this, this lifestyle, this that sort of thing. Like we're in that, you know, that's the, around us all the time, and it that that almost works against gratitude because we're in a culture that. Is focused on what we don't have, you know, and so that's the countercultural thing of Christianity of 
follow Jesus, being grateful for what we do have. One of the fruits of the Spirit is patience. So can we expect, I guess, a supernatural impartation of patience in situations of impatience by being filled with the Spirit? Oh, absolutely. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a reliance. In the natural, we're not going to be patient. It's a reliance on God. And I think a, 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 a regular um, prayer to pray is... God, God, give me, give me peace, give me patience, help me, help me in this. Because we all, we all struggle in this. Whether it's like, in, you know, give me patience for this person that rubs me up the wrong way, or give me patience for this huge situation of, you know, a long-term illness or whatever. Um, that attitude of dependence is something that Christ wants to bring about. Mm. We can be so unreal, sorry, we can be so unrealistic about what we think life should be like. I think. And um, if you know, if we read our Bibles, we'll see things like when you suffer, mm. when you're sick, get the elders to pray for you. You know, it, and you know, you, you've got things like there's time for mourning, there's mm. time, there's time for dancing, but there's time for mourning. And just do as you read your Bible, you, you do get an understanding of that. I mean, life should teach us that anyway. That our lives are just not always going to be smooth and on this uphill trajectory. Our lives are much more up and down, and we need to learn to navigate mm. the ups and the downs with God. Mm. And almost like conversely, some of the people that have been the most incredible people have been, and, and, and whether, we, whether you're looking at Christians through Christian history or just generally. Often it is the people that have actually suffered a great deal and have to be patient for long stretches that actually accomplish, even humanly speaking, great feats. You know, there is a, just a general principle of being shaped in adversity that actually makes us, you know, better, thrive. more, yeah, thrive better used to the world. And actually, the people that have tackled huge injustices or whatever, people have been people that have suffered and yeah. they're just. It just seems obvious that there is a correlation sometimes mm. between what is what people have had to go through to overcome in order to. We just don't something. see that as a positive thing. Yeah. So we have, we just have a completely wrong framework, don't yeah. we? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Um, moving to the other part of the uh, that we heard in the preach about the words that we use, that your yes be yes. Um, how do we unpack that? I guess we we. But the conversation that we were having was the, about, conversation <laughs> the robust conversation <laughs> we were having was, um, you know, how, how, I'm not speaking from experience. I can be non-committal because I'm waiting for the better offer. Okay, and, and I think I don't want to commit to something. I, I think sometimes better offer could be a better thing to do, or it could just be rest. And I'd be like, yeah, I'm a bit of an introvert at times, and just being by myself and is. Is my way of, of resting and recovery. Yeah, 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 yeah. And sometimes life is busy, sometimes you know you're in a season. Yeah, so uh, yeah, sometimes there's good reasons to for your yes to not be a yes. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I think we, we, were, we were diagnosing a, a feature of our you know, interactions where we have arrangements. People are making arrangements, you're invited to something, you're invited to an event, you're invited to whatever, and the temptation of being like, well, I'm not sure. You know, someone's asking, are you coming to that? It's like, oh, sounds great. Which you know is like, you're not 100% committed. You're saying, you're making positive noises to be polite to someone. Mm. But you know, that situation, you're saying, well, I may come or I may not. You know, are we, 
and so I guess what we're asking does does this passage where it says like yes be yes no be no be clear about what you're saying um, for me I I think it, I think it really does I think there is there is a there is a cultural and I think I don't want to keep it's easy to bash people who are younger than me and think oh there's a problem with the subsequent generation um, but I think in every generation there is a there is a, a, a challenge of flakiness mm -hmm. of like being non-committal and I think part of that is a very individualistic attitude uh, and we individualism is a, I think is a massive problem and it's massively in, in my opinion against a gospel shaped way of life like <laughs> in the gospel it's it's God first, others second, us third. Whereas our society in general has flipped that completely around. Um, and so I think this is one of the ways that this is and out. When we get invited to something or someone's asking for our help with something or say, can you do this? Um, what we're, the, the grid that we hear that through is, is this beneficial to me? <laughs> do I want to do this or is, as you say, could something better? Is this a good use of my time and that sort of thing? And I think I think there's such challenge in in the in the message of the Bible for us on this. It's like no, I, I absolutely think if someone asks you, you should say yes or you shouldn't say no, and you should do what you say. I I, I think that is a appropriate application. Of I, this I think passage. often people hesitate to say no because they're afraid of losing face yeah. or um, they're afraid of hurting someone. But I think that actually the converse is true. That actually it's much better to say no and mean it than it is to be half-hearted and then let people down. Yeah. Because that's very dishonouring for yeah. people. It doesn't value them. Mm. And the very thing that you're hoping to achieve, not hurt people or disappoint them, is what actually happens if you do that. Yeah, and I think it works out in friendships. I think it works out in the workplace as well. Like, one of the best pieces of advice I think I could ever give someone is just turn up. And it's an old adage, but, yeah. you know, the people that turn up will be the ones that in the long term are relied upon. In the long term are given responsibility. In the long term are trusted with what is important because just turn up. And I think, you know, I worked in different work contexts. Uh, outside of the church, well, in the church, and, and my, my wife works in, in a context where it's very staff dependent uh, as, as well. And so, this is a constant thing of where flakiness and individual thinking just has massive impact on everyone else. And everyone thinking, well, what's best for me or what's convenient for me is just, it just, you know, I would, I would imagine any boss would always. You, if, you've got, if you've got a choice between someone who is amazingly gifted but unreliable and someone who's less gifted but reliable, they would choose that person because you can build with that, that type of people. Um, and I think that's a, that's a, that's a, huge, that's a huge problem for us in society. But I, but I think for the Christians as well, I think there's a, there's a unique challenge for the Christian that can be swayed into this way of thinking, well, I'll just do what's right for me. And it's like, well, you know. Yeah, by all means, if you if you can't do something, if you don't want to go to something, just say, just be honest, that's okay. If you want to spend time and just on your own, or you, you know you're going to, at the end of a long day, and you're going to be tired, and you don't want to do it, just say. Because I think what it is, we, out of politeness or whatever, we avoid that conversation. But as you say, 
we choose us what seems to us a short-term win. <laughs> I don't have to go to that then. But it's a long-term loss because mm. what does that say to someone? They're not reliable, or do they even like me? Or there's all those sorts of questions. Well, right? yeah, I think it, it reflects on our trustworthiness, doesn't it? Because if oh, we absolutely. don't do what we say we're going to do, so we give the impression that we're going to do something when we don't, then people will get that view of us, that we are untrustworthy. And what this is getting at is that, you know, you don't bolster yourself and... Um, uh, it's, it talks about swearing oaths, doesn't it? The only reason we <coughs> would do that is because we actually know ourselves that actually we're probably not that trustworthy and people won't trust us unless mm. we bolster our speech. But you don't need that. If, if your yes is yes and your no is no, you absolutely don't need that and people will know that you are trustworthy. But there's this kind of muddy water, isn't yeah, there, yeah. in between. And uh, I think it can affect how people mm. view us. And we want to be modelling Jesus to everyone, whether it's other Christians or, yeah. or people in the workplace or wherever it is. And it is, sorry, I'm just going to throw one kind of thing in there. It, it, and it is, it, is, it is a challenge for you. We've all been in that situation where we've committed to go to something or an event or do something. And we know there's going to be lots of other people there. So whether we attend or not is not going to make a huge amount of difference. But we said we'd go. And I've been in that situation. We've all been in that situation. But this is a challenge. I think this is a real challenge, and I have to challenge myself to be now. If I have said I will go, I, I should I should go. I should go because I think that thing of integrity, that thing of, and you're not doing it just because of the pragmatics. You're doing it because um, it, it honors it honors it honors God to be true to our word. Yeah, actually, it is a matter of honesty in the yeah. end. It's about absolutely scrupulous honesty, isn't it? And we kind of kid ourselves somehow in between that it's it's okay to be sort of half and mm. half but it is a matter of being really honest i guess the conviction that's coming upon me as you <laughs> <laughs> which is what this is all about this is an intervention <laughs> as we're as we're talking about this is is, is I, th I think we can run the risk everything that you just said i massively agree with and it's true that uh, you turning up is important, being a dependable person is important, but I think if you dig deeper into that, you can, your motives could get manipulated into thinking, oh actually this serves me by doing this, and I can be seen as a dependable person, I can be given more responsibility, which is, which is a wrong motive, so it's taken something good and it's corrupted it. But I think for, for, for me, if when I'm non-committal, or when I'm choosing something else, it's because I don't value the person, it's because I thought, yeah, you're okay, but there's somebody else who's more important, yeah. sometimes me, or this other person who I really will benefit by being around them, and they're more important to me than to you. And, and I think it, it shows my attitude towards certain people, or certain, well, sorry, that sounds really weird, but when I'm not being committed, it's because I'm not valuing the person, the person who's been made in God's image. Mm -hmm. and, and we forget that. In, in light of the way Jesus looks at us, we are far lower than this other person that we're kind of looking, that I'm looking down upon. And yeah, I think it, it, just, it just challenges my own motives of how am I, how am I loving my brother? And the, I mean, the, the, the Christian message is all about the unlovely being loved. Mm. I mean, that's a really bad summary of the way you go. And I think we've got to remember that I am unlovely first, and God loved me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so how mm -hmm. dare I think somebody else is mm -hmm. not as lovely as 
or make a comparison. And yeah, I mean, that literally is like, yeah, no, even if, if I get nothing out of that relationship, if I get nothing, if it's exhausting, if it's draining on me, but it serves the other person. And, and we've all benefited from people who should not have seen us as valuable, but have spent time with us and have invested in us of no benefit to themselves, other than just like, you're a young guy, you're a young girl, I'm just going to come in and love you and, and take care of you and, and knit you into our community because it'll serve you. Mm. And I think, yeah, that, that's been, that's what I've Well, look at that. I'm glad we all agree. Yeah. We're all in the same page. No <laughs> robust conversation necessary. Great. <laughs> um, we have run out of time. Is there anything, any closing thoughts, Christine, or Matt? Um, no, I think you summarised it really well. Well, next Sunday we have, are you preaching next Sunday? Um, Toby Ferguson? Yeah, Toby's, Toby's preaching and, and other, others are preaching in, in different sites as well. And it's on um, the penultimate passage. We're spending two weeks uh, on the, the passage uh, from verse 13 down to 18, which is about, and the first one we're going to focus on prayer. So it's about prevailing prayer, ruling in prayer. Um, Elijah was a man just like us. And it's also Mother's Day. So Jeez. don't forget to honour Sam um, and Joe. You have two sons. I do have two sons. Wow. <laughs> um, so don't forget to honour your mother or a spiritual mother or just a woman who you value and respect, and do it well. Or just hey. Uh, have a lovely week ahead, and we'll see you next week. Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye.